You're listening to the Crossing DE podcast from The Crossing in Milton, Delaware, a community dedicated to developing devoted followers of Jesus. Hi, my name is Cam Jones. Hello, I'm Chloe Mosley. Hi, my name is Leah Giese. Hey, my name is Matthew McConnell. The interns. I've gotten to spend a lot of time with Cam this summer, and I have loved every second spent with Cam. There's one thing that I've learned about this guy, and that's he has a profound love for a good story. I can't tell you how many times he and I have gotten lost in a conversation in the office, whether it's about a movie that we've both seen or a book that we've both read or a TV show that we've both watched. And much to their own chagrin, the other interns can confirm that these often very long conversations take place. Cam loves a good story. And so when I saw our text for this morning, it just made sense, because it is a good story. Yeah, and it's a really good story, but this is something that I I love about Scripture, Mm. because there's so many different kinds of Scripture, there's so many different genres that that you can read um, throughout the Bible. You can uh, can read Psalms, and it's songs and praises to God. Um, then you flip a couple of pages and you're, you're in Ecclesiastes, which is kind of a research paper that, that Solomon writes. Uh, then you read Paul's letters to the churches, and it's the basis for our faith. It's what we uh, kind of base our foundation on. But then a lot of scripture is told in story. You go all the way back to Genesis, and the entire creation is told in story. Jesus teaches in parables, which, which are stories. Yeah. But today, we're not looking at a story about a man and his lost son or a shepherd and his flock. No, Jesus is actually living this story out. He's showing us what to do by his, his actions in, in this whole story, which is really, really cool. But before we jump into that, I, I kind of want to take a step back, see the context, see where we are at uh, in, in Jesus' life. Hmm. So in Luke chapter 3, we see Jesus is baptized. It is this huge, huge moment. It's a a big wow moment for everyone. It is like the climax of a great movie. Uh, We see he's baptized and heaven opens up. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove on his head. And we hear a voice from God saying, You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This is big. Yeah. This is the greatest finale to the greatest concert of all time. So what happens next? The answer to that question, what happens next, might not be what you would expect. Right? We might expect this giant encore performance. We might expect something big, but that's not what happens. Our text comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. It starts like this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, 
where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. To which I say, duh. Of course he's hungry. 40 days without food, I can't go 40 minutes without food before I get hungry. But do you see what I mean when I say that the encore isn't what we might expect? It's not some grand spectacle. It's not a public miracle. It's subtle. Jesus goes away for a one-on-one retreat with God. That's how he follows up his baptism, is time alone with the Father. And this one-on-one retreat with God is quickly and rudely interrupted by the devil, our enemy, Satan himself. Yeah. This is a story, this is a story we've probably heard before, or we've read before, but it's also a story we've lived out before. This is a story all about temptation and what temptation looks like. Satan uses so many different strategies every single day to get at us. Maybe, maybe it's something we hear or something we see. Maybe it's a situation that, that pops up time after time, whether it's revenge or gossip or a sexual temptation or just a plethora of other things. Satan is always trying to get at us in yeah. new ways. So if this is something that attacks us each and every day, we need to be ready. We need to be ready to combat this. So, so how do we do that? Yeah, that's what we want to do today during our time together. We want to walk through this story and see what we can learn, right? What can we learn from Jesus? What does he do? What can we learn about what does Satan do? What strategies does he employ? How do we fight temptation when it comes. Our story continues. The devil said to him, being Jesus, uh, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And so Satan comes up to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, do you see this, do you see this rock on the ground? Buddy, I know you're really hungry. Why don't you turn it into a piece of bread? I I know that that will fill your stomach and it will bring you joy. It'll, you know, it'll relieve the hunger that you've got. And Jesus responds and politely tells Satan, hey, get lost. I'm I'm not doing what you want me to do. But as I look at Jesus' response, I notice something. His response is in quotation marks, meaning Jesus is quoting something. Cam, what is Jesus quoting? Well, okay, before we get there, I want to I wanna give you an analogy. Okay. So we talked a little bit about how uh, we both love movies, books, TV shows. We love stories. And something that you see pretty often in a story is a flashback. Uh, it's a chance for you to get to look at a character or a, a situation and, and understand it better. Um, so Jesus is kind of doing something similar here. So... Jesus is referencing Deuteronomy 8.3, that verse. And it it comes in a time when the Israelites have been wandering in the desert for 40 years. They've been led out of Egypt, out of slavery by God, and now they're in the desert. And they're hungry. Yeah. Because 
Yes, obviously. It's the desert. Um, And so they ask God, hey, we we need something to eat. Can you give us something to eat? And so God brings this bread called manna. And we heard about it actually in our song this morning. Um, And so they ate this bread. It was good. It it was something they hadn't had before. And so they were happy with it it for a while. But as days kept going and weeks kept going and months and years, it got old. Yeah. They were like, okay, well, now we need like something else to go with this. Give us like hummus or salsa or something. <laughs> Not exactly that. But they said, we need something more. We can't live on just this. And so God replies with this. Sorry. He humbled you to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God says, hey, remember, I'm in control here. You're right, you can't live on this bread alone. You have to live by my word. And so Jesus is kind of doing a, a little finish the lyric for us here. And he's, he's wanting us to go back and look at this and say, oh, yeah, I don't live by bread alone. I live by the word of God. Yeah. After Jesus is tempted with things of the flesh, right? Uh, Satan comes with a second temptation. It says that the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all of the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus responded, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This time, Satan tells Jesus that he can have power and authority over everything on earth. Everything. That is a bit of a step up from offering him a piece of bread, don't you think? Satan has upped his offer significantly. And again, Jesus pushes back on what Satan's offering, and he quotes scripture. What is he quoting this time, Cam? Well, okay, so here Satan is tempting him in a, in a little bit of a different way. Okay. So before, Satan was tempting Jesus with the flesh. Um, and that, for Jesus, looked like a piece of bread. Yep. But here, he's tempting him with power. Now, when I hear this, I, I imagine someone coming up to me and saying, I'm going to give you power over the Cincinnati Reds. You have control of the Cincinnati Reds, to which I would say, absolutely, maybe we can actually win some games if I get control. <laughs> But Satan's not giving Jesus control of his favorite baseball team. He's giving him control of the entire world. He's giving him control of everything that he sees, every kingdom in front of him. But then Jesus has a little bit of a flashback again. This time we're going back to Deuteronomy 6. Um, This is a passage of, of encouragement, but also a little bit of warning. Jesus is uh, referencing this, this passage that says, look, God's in control. Hmm. Just like we, we talked about a second ago, God's in control, but he's in control because he created this. This passage is saying, look, look at everything around you. Look at the, the ground you're standing on, the houses you have, the garden in the backyard that's fulfilling your, your need for food. I created it. This was all me, is what God is saying to them. Hmm. And so we should worship and serve him only. Jesus knows that this land that Satan is offering him, well, God's in control. Yeah. 
This was created by God. The power and authority belongs to him. To try and go against that and to take that for himself, that, that would be foolish. Yeah, that would not be smart. No. Satan must have been a wholehearted believer in the old saying, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, because here he comes back a third time to tempt Jesus, and he's changed his tactics a little bit. It says that the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Hold up. Satan has watched Jesus quote scripture twice, and Satan himself is the one quoting scripture here. Things are getting a little crazy. Uh, Cam is not the only one who's able to do research. Uh, I looked it up. I did some digging. And Satan is quoting Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. Psalm 91 is a psalm all about how God is our refuge. He is our safe place to run to in times of trouble, especially when our enemy is attacking And so the psalm spends plenty of time talking about how the schemes of the enemy will never succeed. God will never let the enemy win. It's a really comforting psalm. But here's this hilarious bit of irony that this is the piece of scripture that Satan has taken and twisted and contorted to say whatever he wants it to say, which what Satan always does with scripture. That's what he all often tricks us into doing with scripture. And Satan conveniently stops quoting Psalm 91, one verse before the psalmist mentions crushing the head of the serpent, which you guessed it, Satan. You can't make it up. And so Jesus responds to Satan's third attempt, and he quotes scripture a third time. It says, Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Another response, another quotation from scripture, and Cam, let me take a guess. Okay. Does it come from Deuteronomy? Yeah, it does. It does. So this time we're in Deuteronomy 6, uh, again, uh, the the same chapter that we were in last time. Um, But this time it's kind of weird. It's hard to kind of connect the pieces, yeah. so we have to look a little bit, little bit deeper. So Deuteronomy 6, what Jesus is referencing here, it's talking about a time when the Israelites are, again, they're, they're in the desert, um, and they're thirsty. Um, and they, they keep telling Moses, hey, we're thirsty. We need something to drink. I, I really, like, I need something to drink really bad right now. And they keep telling him, they keep telling him. Eventually, it turns into them just complaining and complaining and complaining. And eventually, it gets to the point where they're saying, look, is, is God even here? I mean, he hasn't given us anything to drink. And Moses is thinking to himself, I mean, he just led you out of slavery, out of Egypt. How do you, how, where is your mind going that you don't think God is here with us? But Moses goes to God and he says, hey, uh, they're, they're thirsty. We got to do something. And so God leads him to a rock uh, where Moses strikes it with his staff and water flows out of it. Now, God fulfills what they're wanting, but he's not super happy with it. He actually names the place Manasseh, 
which in their language, it means rebellion. They were rebelling against God because they, they didn't even believe if he was there. Now, how does this connect with where we're at with Jesus? Because it's kind of a hard connection. So Jesus is standing on top of a building. And this building is kind of over the center of town. So when Satan says, hey, throw yourself off, the angels will catch you. Um, we know that Jesus can do that. And if, we, if Jesus were to do that, everyone would see. Yeah. Everyone would be able to see him uh, with the angels saving him from death. They would be able to know who he truly is. They would be standing in awe of just the might and power of Jesus and the glory of who he actually is, which sounds great, but we're kind of missing the bigger picture. Yeah. Because when we say that this is happening, it, it rebels against God. God had this whole plan set out for Jesus, and to do that would be rebelling. He would be taking all the glory for himself. Satan has tempted Jesus with the flesh and with power, and now he tempts him with fame. Jesus would be famous. He would be known by everyone as who he truly is. But Jesus knew that that, that wasn't right. That wasn't the plan. He knew that you shouldn't test the Lord your God. Three times Jesus is tempted in, in the desert, and three times he comes away unscathed. Yeah. As I, as I read this story, my mind immediately goes to one of my favorite verses in Scripture. If you don't know it, it would be a great one to learn. It's Hebrews, 4, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It says, For we do not have a high priest, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Isn't that good? We worship a God who can empathize with us. He's been tempted, but he didn't sin. This scripture is written in the book of Hebrews, but it might as well be referring specifically to this story in Luke chapter 4, our Savior, our King, our High Priest, tempted just like us. He knows our struggle and he empathizes with us. He's there with us in the moment to say, I know what this feels like that you're going through. I know you can do this. Keep going. Yeah, that's, that's why I love this passage. It's so relatable. Jesus was fully man. He went through the same things that we went through. He had the same temptations that, that we have every single day. But there's a difference between me and Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is faithful where we are unfaithful. Just like the Israelites, we, we slip up. We give in to temptation. It's so easy just to start talking bad about someone or to give in to sexual temptation or be so consumed by, by selfishness. But not Jesus. Jesus is faithful. Jesus was tempted in the same ways and he remained faithful to God. Jesus is faithful where we are unfaithful. And this text is proof to that statement. Over and over again, Jesus makes reference to this wilderness generation in the book of Deuteronomy. 
a people uh, that were unfaithful and were tossed to and fro by their own temptation. And here's Jesus, hundreds of years later, in the wilderness himself, tempted in the exact same ways as the Israelites, and he remains faithful where they failed. I think that's powerful. This text has one more thing for us to to glean. Look at verse 13 with me. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Satan left. He was unsuccessful. But he hadn't given up either. He waited. And he waited. And he waited for an opportunity to strike again. And he's still waiting for an opportunity to trip us up as well. And that's scary to me. If our enemy is waiting around the corner for us, how do we prepare? What can we do to make sure that we're ready when temptation strikes? Yeah. Well, that's, that's another reason I love this passage. It's so practical. Jesus shows us what it looks like to be tempted, but he also shows us what it looks like to overcome. It mm. gives us the playbook. If you'll go back to verse one with me, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. He is led by the Holy Spirit. And then as, as Satan launches attack after t- attack, Jesus responds in, in one way, with scripture. He shows us that he has full reliance on the word of God and the spirit of God. The spirit and the word, they're two, they're, they're two outlets for us. They're two weapons that God has given us every mm. single day. Yeah. It's something we can use every single day. I mean, if, if Jesus did it, then so should we. Yeah. If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. Yeah. If we want to combat temptation, we have to rely completely on the spirit of God and the word of God. That's, that's so good. Yeah. Let me remind you of something, though. This doesn't happen on accident. It takes time and effort and energy on our part. It has to be a daily commitment to the word of God and the spirit of God. But I know this. If we commit ourselves to this, the attacks of the enemy will fall short. And, and look, there's going to be times when we mess up. There's going to be times when we give in to temptation and we fall short. But those moments are, are not the end of the story. Mm. One mistake is not the end. While we may be unfaithful, God is always faithful. And he's always faithful to us, yeah. which is amazing. And I, I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for that. So as we go through this week, let's keep this in mind. Would you pray with me? Dear God, I I pray that uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and every day this week, 
every week after that, um, as temptation comes at us as we know that it will, that we know how to combat it. We have the playbook that Jesus has given us. We have the spirit and the word of God to help us along. And we're going to fall short, and we aren't perfect, but we know that Jesus is, and he is always faithful to us. And we are so, so thankful for that. I pray that, that as, we, as we even leave this church today, that, that we keep these things in mind. We don't let this day go by without thinking of this and putting these things into practice. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information about The Crossing, visit thecrossingde.com or download the mobile app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Music for today's podcast is from artist Sounds Like Sander under license from soundstripe.com.